0: Today's scriptures can be found in the book of Ecclesiastes. Let's be still now in our heart and mind and prepare to listen for reading of text that is holy. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure from all my toil, And this was my reward from all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had spent in doing it. And again, all was vanity and a chasing after the wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. There is nothing better for mortals than to eat and drink and find enjoyment in their toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he gives the work of gathering and heaping, only to give to the one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a chasing after wind." This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Back in the summer of 2015, my wife and I uh, were able to finally sell the first home that we ever purchased together. And we were in such a rush to seal the deal that we went ahead with the timeline of the buyer even though we didn't have a place to move into yet, because we wanted to make sure we didn't lose money on the house. And we just looked and looked and looked, and we couldn't find a place that we felt like was our next home. And so when the house sold and we had to move out, we moved into an apartment for the summer for about three months. We did a three-month short-term lease. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. People do this all the time, but is it a really exciting thing to have to move all your stuff into a tiny two bedroom apartment and everything else in the storage? No, it isn't. My kids were still under the age of, uh, of 10, but they had to share a bedroom together, a boy and a girl. And luckily my daughter had a trundle bed. So we had an extra little bed for my son to sleep in. We don't like to remind him about that. We did that again for about a summer and we were on the first floor and there were perks to this apartment for the summer. You know, not having to cut my grass for a whole summer was wonderful. But at the same time, we were on the first floor and people were always outside. There was a pool just yards away from our front door. And I remember sometimes slaving away on a Saturday, working on a sermon while everybody else was having fun at the pool. I maybe was not the best roommate that summer. I probably was a bit discontent during that time period. But do you know who really enjoyed that summer? My son Davis was six years old. He had a grassy area outside to play, to run around, to ride a scooter. And there was one incident that really sort of summed up the opposite reaction to that summer versus my reaction to that summer and that was one afternoon where my wife Julie and my son Davis were at the pool and this six-year-old just had the day of his life and he leaned back on that chair right there by the pool he put his arms up behind his head like this and he said this is the life (laughs) for him that summer was a highlight of his young days for for us it was one of those uh, you know speed bumps on in our life it was a place we had to live until we finally were able to move in the house we're in now what is the difference between my summer of discontent and his summer of contentment is it just perspective is it just expectations or is there something deeper You may have heard of author and and pastor Tim Keller before. He has one of the largest churches in New York City. And years ago, he told this story about reading an article from a, a publication that was really in its heyday in the 60s and 70s. It was called The Village Voice. And there was an author who's not a Christian, but it was talking about this idea of discontentment and putting all our hopes in one thing or another looking forward to something that would just fix our broken lives and this is what Keller remembers this author saying her name is Cynthia Heimel this was written in 1990 I pity celebrities no I really do Sylvester Stallone Bruce Willis Barbara Streisand they were all once perfectly pleasant human beings but now their wrath is awful You see, Sly, Bruce, and Barbara wanted fame. They worked, they pushed, and the morning after each of them became famous, they weren't happy. Because that giant thing that they were striving for, that fame thing that was gonna make everything okay, that was going to make their lives bearable, that was going to provide them with personal fulfillment and happiness had happened to them, and they were still them. Their disillusionment, Turned them howling and insufferable. It makes me think of that lyric from U2. I have run, I have crawled, I have scaled these city walls, and I still haven't found what I'm looking for. In a sense, these stories and this this lyric remind us that there is a part of our lives, if we're not careful, are spent running and and toiling towards something that we think is gonna be better for us, that's gonna make our lives meaningful and it's gonna make us happy. It's gonna bring us that contentment where at the end of our life, we can lay back and put our hands over our head and say, it was a good life. But sometimes... If we're not careful, the very things that we are working towards are not really all they're cracked up to be. In fact, it's almost like an image of someone slaving away, toiling on a treadmill or in a stationary bike. They are putting all this energy into going somewhere, but guess what? They're still in the same place. They haven't moved at all. The toil didn't change their predicament at all. I think we've got a lesson to learn in terms of commitment today. And what does it mean for us to have a perspective on gratitude, thanking God for the blessings we have in our life, and as well as the same time of checking our desires and making sure that they are good and right for us. I'm going to do that by following through a prayer today. And the prayer is going to be line by line on the screen. And if you're one of those people that loves to write things down, you have an area on the back of your bulletin that says sermon notes, you can write this prayer down. And so we're going to start with the first line here. And the first line of it is, Lord, help me be grateful for what I have. Now, this prayer is written by a United Methodist pastor. And it's all about contentment. And so we'll start here. One of the antidotes for discontentment is gratitude. Lord, help me be grateful for what? Not what I'm gonna get someday, but for, for what I already have. We sometimes have blindness in our lives when it comes to our blessings. We can look around and see all the problems out there, but we're not very good at looking around and seeing what God has already given to us. Now, some of you may have heard this story before, but I have been blessed with a life coach, a life coach. God knew that I did everything wrong. And so he blessed me with a wife who is my life coach. There's always a better way to do it. And thankfully she knows how to do it. (laughs) And it can be kind of frustrating sometimes to realize the things that I thought I was doing fine are not always the right way to do things. There's always a better way. And I will admit it right here and now. After I try it, it's usually better. It usually is. She's right. But, you know, if I get so focused on the frustration of being told how I can do things better, I can become in a sense, blinded to all the good things. I can forget. I can sort of fixate on the frustration and forget the love and the blessings. My, my son Davis, same one that had his arms behind his head uh, that when he was six years old at the pool, he had this Mother's Day uh, chart or, or, or questionnaire he had to fill out. And it was, what's mom's favorite food? What's mom's favorite drink? All these things. And, and it was favorite thing about my mom. And it said... My mom stops me and my sister and my dad from killing each other. (laughs) She is the glue in a family. You know, she's the one that sort of keeps us all together. And the thing about it is, too, Julie is one of those people that sort of worries about the things that are really important that I don't see coming. If I get so frustrated by the things that you know, are, are those little annoyances in our relationship, I miss the big blessings that are there. And I think that you probably have people in your relationships like that, don't you? It could be a parent, it could be a child, it could be a neighbor, it could even be a spouse. God has given you, blessed you with people in your lives that if they were gone, you would miss them terribly. If they were gone, you would miss what they provided you and yet you take them for granted every single day. We are like that sometimes. We, we sometimes do not realize the blessings that are already in our lives, and often they are people more than things, aren't they? But there are even things that we already have in our lives that we are not grateful for, and yet they get us where we need to go. They sustain us. They are there for us. We often jump from being grateful into desiring more, but we've got to stay in this place of wanting to be grateful for what we have because that is an antidote for discontentment. But there's more. The prayer continues. It starts off by talking about gratitude, but now it says this. Lord, help me be grateful for what I have and then remember that I don't need most of what I want. I don't need most of what I want. How many people have made a midnight impulse buy on Amazon and then had to go and return it? Go to UPS, go to Whole Foods and put it there and send it back because you realized you don't even want it. And yet you spent hours researching it, right? The, the author of the book of Ecclesiastes that we studied this morning, that Pastor Maggie read from us, bits, bits of chapter two of Ecclesiastes, the author, we don't really know the true name of the author, but the, the title of the author translates roughly to teacher or preacher. And the teacher must have been somebody of great wealth. In fact, some people theorize that it's probably King Solomon because he was the king of Israel during its greatest time of wealth. Now, we don't really know that, but this teacher, this preacher, whoever it is, is writing down wisdom, and what does he say? He says, I had the means to give in to any desire, any indulgence, and I did. He's not bragging. He's just saying, I've done it all. I have taken care of every desire, and guess what? I'm still unhappy. I am still unhappy. Nothing that I did actually fulfilled me everything was and this is the passage I want you to remember this, this thing right here this is the key to discontentment okay discontentment is as Ecclesiastes says, says chasing after wind chasing after wind this is what the teacher says when we are chasing after the more that's gonna fix our lives it's like chasing after wind what's the problem with chasing after wind we're never gonna catch it right we're never going to catch it. It is pointless. It is endless. It is chasing after wind. If we're chasing after something that we think is going to fix our lives, something that once we have it is going to make us happy, we often find that we are just the same as we were before. The same issues are still there. It's because our discontentment is more of a perspective of our lives than actually a loss of what we want and that's what the teacher is telling us he's done all this before he has given into every indulgence and he's still unhappy he has to work on his own wants and desires his own perspective his own expectations that is part of the key to realize that some of the things that we are chasing in our lives is like chasing after the wind will still be the same after we get it. So that's the second part of the prayer is to remind ourselves that most of what we want, we don't need. And listen, I am just as guilty as anybody else of all the things that are on my shopping list in my cart right now that I'm waiting for permission to buy from my life coach. I'm not joking. That brings us to our last part of the prayer. So you can write this part down too. The last line is joy, that joy is found in simplicity and generosity. Joy is found in simplicity and generosity. Now, what do I mean by that? Joy, contentment, is not found in the pursuit of things— It's usually found in the simple things, the relationships that God has already blessed us with. The church where we get to worship. The house we're already in. You know, simple things, the things that really matter. Rick Warren, who's a pastor out in California, says that there are two things that we need to get right for contentment. The first is, life is not about things. It is about the things that last forever. So if you can think about the things that last forever in your life right now, if you could look back to all the things you've done, all the people in your life, all the things you have purchased, how many of those things have lasted the longest? And often those are the simplest things, not the most complex things. They're not the things you wanted or desired the most, but it's the things that have gotten in your life the longest because they matter, they mean something. Life is not about the pursuit of things. It is about the things that last a lifetime. And the second thing that Rick uh, Warren wants us to remember is that if we are going to ever have enough, there are only two ways that we can have enough. One is work harder. If you work harder, you can get enough. The other is want less. Want less. Either work harder or want less. There's no other way to get enough in our lives. Already, the teacher from Ecclesiastes has told us the warning about working harder and toiling for more. So wanting less, that doesn't mean that we have to sell all of our belongings in order to live a simple life. It just means that we need to want less. We need to realize that life is not, again, about things, but about the things that that matter and that last a lifetime these are things that we really need to understand if we are going to find joy and it's not just about joy in what we have but it's also in about being generous john wesley is the sort of uh, father of the united methodist church and the methodist movement and one of the things that he said that is important for all of us to understand is is that we need to earn all we can then we need to save all we can and then we need to give all we can you see the difference there he he says earn all you can so that you can save all you can and if you save all you can then you will have the opportunity to be as generous as you want and often we find our happiest moment our most content moments when we're able to give and to share don't we? Not when we get something, it's when we have the opportunity to give something. Contentment often comes when we are generous more than we are receiving something. So remember this, joy comes not in the pursuit of things or the chasing after wind, but it comes in the joy of simplicity and generosity, the last line of our prayer. These are important things for us to remember if we're going to find contentment in our lives. Let's look at this prayer one more time. And would you read it out loud with me? Lord, help me be grateful for what I have. Remember that I don't need most of what I want and that joy is found in simplicity and generosity. Amen. I will say this in closing. When we ignore this prayer, and when we ignore its teaching in our lives or Ecclesiastes, we then become enslaved to the pursuit of chasing after wind. One of my friends, Lisa Uboa, who is a pastor in North Carolina in the Methodist church, see, says to her church all the time, don't be your own Pharaoh. Don't be your own Pharaoh. Do you remember who Pharaoh was? He was the ruler of Egypt who enslaved the Jewish people. He made them build the the cities of Pithom and Ramses, brick by brick, and he put them out in the fields as forced laborers. He was the one that that uh, uh, enslaved them to do what he wanted. And what she's telling us is, don't be your own Pharaoh. When you put yourselves into the pursuit of more Because you're discontent, you are actually enslaving yourselves to the pursuit of chasing after the wind. Don't be your own Pharaoh. Don't allow yourself to be enslaved to this pursuit of more because it doesn't lead to anything productive. Instead, focus on the things that bring true joy to you and to others and the things that provide you with the opportunity to be generous to all. Thanks be to God. Amen.